the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What difference at this point does it make? Oh, shut up. If you've got health insurance, you can keep it. If you like your health care plan, you will keep your plan. If you've got health insurance, you like your doctor, you like your plan, you can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan. I'm as bad as hell, but I'm not going to take this anymore. Welcome to the Unite Inland Empire radio program. You know, in the wake of the terrorist attack in Orlando, Florida, we are once again reminded of the ever-present danger and risk of Islamic Jihad. This is a threat we live under 24-7. It's always present, and every so often, it actually rears its ugly head. This week, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, who's a counterterrorism expert and a teacher at the Marine War College, was in the Inland Empire and speaking at an event about uh, his new book called Defeating Jihad, The Winnable War. Well, the event sold out, and because of the message that Dr. Gorka has, the education that he shared with us, the strategies for actually defeating jihad, we thought it would be important for as many people to hear the uh, warning, the advice, and the information that Dr. Gorka shared. So with our time in today's show, we're going to share clips of the presentation and the conversation that Dr. Gorka had with a sold-out crowd at the Fox Performing Arts Center this week in Riverside. A very, very, very regular guest on Fox News, which is why we wanted to make him feel at home by holding this event here at the Fox Theater. See that? Fox News, Fox Theater. We're we're good like that. All right, so he runs a thriving website called thegorkabriefing.com. It's probably one of the go-to websites that you need to, to put on your uh, bookmarks uh, to keep up with what he produces. There's a tremendous amount of great information. He's the, uh, the author of the currently sold out, if you're not getting it tonight, uh, wait until it comes back to Amazon, Defeating Jihad, The Winnable War. Or as Jennifer likes to say it, Sometimes the wannabe war. The winable war. <laughs> the winable war. Because she loves wine. I do. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's our pleasure to introduce you to Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Hello. Now, his works perfectly, see? A setup operation. So, Dr. Gorka, let's start. And for those of you that haven't had a chance to read this book yet, I was so taken. I told uh, Dr. Gorka in the in the green room how incredible this story was. It starts the book. It's a story of his father escaping communism. And uh, that was probably, I mean, it just it sucks you in as soon as you start reading the book. How did his struggle influence your life's work? Thank you. Thank you so much. And it's a real delight to be here with you in person. Uh, Before I answer, um, can I suggest we stand? Love this. Can we uh, have a moment's silence for the 14 dead of San Bernardino and the 49 killed in Orlando, please? Thank you. Thank you. So it's funny. Um, 
This is my first book. Defeating Jihad is, is my first book. And uh, I eat, breathe, and sleep national security. I mean, that's all I care about, really. My family, the republic, and national security. So when I, I got the contract and I finally was forced to write the book, I was, they gave me a 30-day deadline to, to write it, um, I was going to dive in and just write about jihadis and write about the threat. And my wife, who's an American-American who was born here, said, are you crazy? You can't do that. Americans love a good story. And you have to connect with your audience first. You can give them information. You can explain things. You can help them out, give them a plan to win. But you've got to connect. So she said, why don't you start with your family background? And that was the last thing I was going to do. I mean, I grew up in the UK, right? Stiff upper lip, all that stuff. We don't, don't talk about that. Um, but she was right, because you know what? So the book's now sold out. And whenever I meet somebody who's read it, all they want to talk about is the first chapter about my family. I mean, they say, wow, what a story, your dad. I mean, I'm trying to write about jihad, and all they want to talk about is my dad. Um, it was a great story. Thank you. I mean, my wife was right. So what can I say? Uh, how did it affect me? It affected me hugely. So if you haven't read the book, it is about the threat to America and how to defeat the jihadis. But it starts with how 9-11 affected me. And it affected me, I think, differently from how it affected most Americans who had the, the blessings of God to actually be born here in America. Because my parents weren't American. My parents were on the wrong side of the Iron Curtain during the Cold War at the beginning. And my father, um, as a teenager, saw his, his country being stolen by the communists. He grew up in Hungary. And after World War II, he saw the communist menace just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and finally, he said, this is enough. So as an 18-year-old young man at university, he said, I'm going to do something about this. So he created a secret Christian group of his fellow students who are patriots. And he said, we're going to spy on the communists. We're going to spy on the Soviets that are taking over our country. And we're going to collect information about where they're moving the tanks, how they're taking control of the economy, and we're going to send it out to the West. And maybe the West can help us. And sure enough, they created this little circle of patriotic intelligence gatherers. And eventually, they found a way to send that information out to the UK. So the, these secret reports, believe it or not, written with invisible ink, okay, this is in 1950, so it's really invisible ink, were making their way through a courier, through Vienna, all the way to MI6 in the UK. The bad news was that the reports eventually would land on the desk of a man called Kim Philby. Kim Philby is one of the five most successful communist uh, spies and infiltrators of the Cold War. With the Cambridge Apostles, he betrayed hundreds of people during the Cold War inside the British intelligence establishment. As a result, my father was also betrayed by Kim Philby. He was arrested at the age of 20. He was almost executed, but instead he was given a life sentence, and he was locked away in a communist prison. Eventually, he managed to escape. He was liberated by the Hungarian revolutionaries of 1956, and he got out to the West with his future wife and my mother. As a result of that background, growing up in England, it was made patently clear to me, as soon as I could understand, that liberty is as fragile as it is precious. Amen. 
And the sentence from President Reagan is so true and always will be true that the loss of liberty is always but one generation away. So I understood what totalitarianism means and how there will always be somebody who wants to take away your freedom and your liberty. We'll continue with Dr. Gorka after this message from one of the sponsors of the Unite IE radio show. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lenders. It's all but certain now that we are about to see interest rates begin to rise after several years of being spoiled with historically low interest rates. But don't panic. It's not the end of the world. What it does mean is that if you've been thinking about the purchase of a new home, the purchase of a vacation home or investment property, or if you don't want to buy, but you need to refinance the home you have to lower the rate, remove the mortgage insurance, or to pull out cash to pay higher interest, higher payment, credit cards, auto loans, or student loan debt, or if you're a senior and have been considering looking into that reverse mortgage thing that everyone seems to be talking about lately, then call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. I'll run the numbers for you and let you know what all your options are, the pros and cons of each one, and help you steer towards a decision that makes the most sense for you and your family. Once again, the number is 855-640-2020, or get me on the web at wccloans.com. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturdays at 9.30 a.m. and 9 o'clock p.m. and Sundays at 4 o'clock, right here on AM 590, The Answer. AM 590, The Answer. And now we're going to return to Dr. Gorka's presentation and briefing this week at the Fox Performing Arts Center. So when I watched on that, do you remember how beautiful that Tuesday morning was, 9-11? Not a cloud in the sky, beautiful blue sky in New York and D.C., When I watched those two planes fly into the World Trade Center, I reacted a little bit differently. Because to me, I recognized that the totalitarians are back. They're not communists, they're not even fascists, but the jihadis, like the man who slaughtered 49 Americans just a few days ago in Orlando, they are totalitarians. Either you do what they say, either you submit to them and become their slave, or they will kill you. So, long answer to a short question, but my family background was intrinsic to how I understand the threat to America today and what 9-11 means to the future of America. All right, just kind of staying with that theme of communism, uh, we say we won the Cold War. And yet it seems now communism hasn't disappeared. It actually recalibrated. It morphed, and it's embedded itself into American institutions like academia. It now teaches and expands its doctrine. Um, And as some have documented, it actually is uh, connected now to some members of Congress. You know, they they have their roots in this. Um, Isn't that every bit as much a threat to America's long-term existence as the frontal assault we say we defeated in the Cold War? And if it is... How do we defeat this latest incarnation of communism? Wow. Do you want the eight-hour answer? (laughs) So, yes. um, You can destroy the republic in many different ways. And, And my reading of recent American history is the following. In the late 1960s, across Europe and in America, there was a movement. It was a socialist Marxist movement. On the streets of Paris in 1968, if you recall, there was this idea that we could, you know, the, the kids could build the barricades and we're going to create a Marxist paradise. Well, that happened here as well. 
Uh, it happened in the SDS during the Vietnam War, and it happened with people like Bernadine Dorn and Bill Ayers. But what happened to it? They failed. In America, the radicals who wanted to use force to create a revolution to turn America into a socialist state, they lost, and they lost badly. But they were very smart, because when they lost, they didn't surrender. They just changed their tactics. Instead of a frontal physical assault, instead of creating the barricades and a revolution, they decided to go with what Hitler and Lenin understood, who said, give me their children and I will capture their nation. So the people who were the physical radicals on the barricades, throwing the Molotov cocktails, became the school teachers, the university college professors, and as a result, they have changed the nature of the youth in America. And I think that's why you see what you see with Bernie Sanders. I mean, children who have no understanding of what it means to live in a socialist country and how it takes away the freedom of the individual. So, yeah, there, there is this internal struggle we have that we've ceded the educational territory to people who do not love this nation, who do not love the principles of the founding. And I think your second half was your question was, what do we do about it? Right. right. I mean, it's, it's, it's now embedded. Right. It's not so obvious. In the Cold War, it was nation versus nation. Right. Here, it's like embedded, much like we're going to get into the Muslim Brotherhood. But how do we, how do we, defeat, how do we deal with that? I mean, in the, we have the First Amendment. People can believe what they want to believe. But yet, this is an ideology that we literally fought in the Cold War. We still need to fight it. I mean, it still is very much an enemy to you know the Constitution and the thing, liberty. Uh, absolutely. And I think the way we fight it, there's lots of ways to fight it. Why is the whole homeschool movement so popular? I think the homeschool movement is a direct response to the losing the educational territory uh, to the radicals and to the left. Um, but I think the answer is really, you know, look in the mirror if you want to solve the problem. If you want to solve the problem, then are you a member of your local school district council? Do you go to the meetings? Do you allow them to get away with the kinds of things they're publishing in textbooks today? Because if you do, then... Don't be surprised if it gets worse and worse. So I think everybody that has a responsibility to be active. It's very easy to criticize, to complain. But again, you know, many nations have this saying. Every nation deserves the government it elects, right? Whether that's at a school board, county, or whether it's a nation. So the answer is, is us. That's right. Over several administrations, there has been a line drawn between Islam and radical Islam. You said a counter-messaging campaign similar to that of the Cold War. In that war, communism was communism. There was no radical communist versus good communist. So how do we accomplish this, given this distinction between Islam and radical Islam? Well, the first thing is we, we have to take politics out of the threat assessment. You know, I have the honor to work with our armed forces, our FBI, the Marines. Um, there is a political matrix that has been forced upon our men and women in uniform, which is quite horrific. And, and this is open source. You can read this. Uh, the White House, six years ago, sent a memo from the National Security Council to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, so the most senior military officer in the United States, 
and also to the Attorney General, who is the most senior law enforcement officer of the United States. And, and what did it say? The memo said, all counterterrorism training in the federal government must be scrubbed. Any mention of religion, especially Islam, must be deleted. And words such as jihad must never be used again in the training of our military and our law enforcement. Now, that's what we've been living. And that's why you have what you had after Orlando, the press conference the president gave yesterday, yes? I mean, think about it. He was angry that somebody would suggest that what you call the enemy matters. He was angry. He said, what difference would it make? Does that sound familiar? Yeah. It's a pretty good impression, actually. You know what difference it makes? It makes a huge difference. What if you're sick and you go to the doctor and you've got tuberculosis and the doctor says, "Um, I'm going to call that the common cold. Take, (laughs) Take two aspirins and go home and hydrate. What you call something matters. You cannot solve a problem unless you identify it. We'll continue with Dr. Gorka after this message from one of the sponsors of the Unite IE radio show. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lenders. It's all but certain now that we are about to see interest rates begin to rise after several years of being spoiled with historically low interest rates. But don't panic. It's not the end of the world. What it does mean is that if you've been thinking about the purchase of a new home, the purchase of a vacation home or investment property, or if you don't want to buy, but you need to refinance the home, you have to lower the rate, remove the mortgage insurance, or to pull out cash to pay higher interest, higher payment, credit cards, auto loans, or student loan debt. Or if you're a senior and have been considering looking into that reverse mortgage thing that everyone seems to be talking about lately, then call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. I'll run the numbers for you and let you know what all your options are, the pros and cons of each one, and help you steer towards a decision that makes the most sense for you and your family. Once again, the number is 855-640-2020, or get me on the web at wccloans.com. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturdays at 9.30 a.m. and 9 o'clock p.m. and Sundays at 4 o'clock right here on AM 590, The Answer. AM 590, The Answer. And now we're going to return to Dr. Gorka's presentation and briefing this week at the Fox Performing Arts Center. So, Mr. President, let me tell you, it matters a lot what we call the threat. And the idea that the word radical Islam is verboten, is, is not permitted, that's like saying in 1944, as we're about to storm the beaches, don't say the word Nazi because you could offend a German. Kind of keeping on this theme in the book, you point out similarities between communism and the jihad. What are the most important similarities, and what can we learn from defeating communism that we can now apply to today's fight against the jihad? Great. So, um, as I said previously, so the, the biggest similarity is the idea that it's totalitarian. Yeah, it's it's about you know it's absolute. Either we win or they win. There is no in between. So the big similarity is you cannot negotiate with this enemy. Just forget about it. Yeah, it's, think about what could you have negotiated about with Hitler? Yeah, which oven he's going to put you in, or what caliber of gun he's going to shoot you with? Yeah, there is no negotiation. So that's a similarity. Biggest difference 
is the fact that it isn't a uh, locatable nation-state. There's no street address for the enemy, because they're where? They're in Raqqa, Dabiq, Mosul, Baghdad, Orlando, San Bernardino, Boston, Chattanooga. So this is a truly globally dispersed conspiracy. While the Islamic State holds territory in the Middle East, they have their agents of influence everywhere and also their jihadis. So that's a big difference that we have to deal with. Um, how, what, what are the lessons learned? This is, this is you know, really why I, I wrote the book, because I, I grew up shaped by the Cold War and by my parents' experience. And it dawned on me, you know, analyzing the Cold War, America was essential to that victory. I mean, let's just st step back for a second. Isn't it interesting that it took America stepping up to the plate to defeat the Nazis and the communists? Isn't that interesting? Without us, right, without us, Europe would be talking German today, yeah? or maybe Russian. It took us getting in there to win that war for other people. Yeah? And you know what? It's going to take us again. Why? Because the totalitarians are back. So the lesson for me is the following. We won the Cold War on November the 9th, 1989. You remember those pictures from Berlin? Yeah? As, as they started, you know, the people who were captives started to dismember, to take apart the, the walls that were keeping them in. But do you, can somebody recall, it's not a trick question, okay? November 9th, 1989, Checkpoint Charlie, yeah, Brandenburg Gate. How many shots were fired across that wall on November the 9th? None. Zero. Not one gun was fired. Not an AK-47 by them, not an M-16 by us. But we won. So how did we win if we didn't shoot anybody, if we didn't drop any bombs? We won because President Reagan destroyed their ideology. Two years before the wall fell, he went to the Brandenburg Gate. Do you remember? Yep. And he stood there in front of the Berlin Wall, and he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. A sentence, by the way, just a little sidebar, that the State Department tried to remove from his speech six times. They said, this is inflammatory, don't say it. You can see the original copy of the speech, I think, in the Reagan Library. They've taken it out six times. So what was the Gipper forced to do? In the beast, in the limo, to the site, he had to manually write the sentence back into the speech with his pen. Right? Isn't that interesting? Right? The, the, the machine was working against him, right? So, and what did he do with that one sentence? It's genius. He said, tear down this wall. But he wasn't talking about a wall. Yeah, he was saying to everybody who's a captive behind that wall, uh, do you know why your masters built a wall? It's not to protect you from me. It's to keep you in, to deny you your liberty. That's what we have to understand now. Uh, this victory against the jihadists will not be in the final analysis a physical one. It's not going to be measured in tonnage of bombs dropped or body bags. Yes, we tried that during the Vietnam War. Body bags is not a good metric of victory, okay? Don't get me wrong, okay? I, I served in a CT, a counterterrorism reserve unit in the UK. 
I am fully, I am down with killing terrorists. I have no objection to that. But it's not the measure of ultimate victory. Why? Because you can kill one jihadi with a UAV strike. You can send in a special forces team to take out one guy. But what's going to happen if the next day 15 jihadis volunteer to replace him? So it's, it's a vicious, endless circle. So how do we win? We have to delegitimize the message of holy war of jihad, just like President Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, John Paul II did with communism. That's how we're going to win. I think before we move on, definition time, just for everybody that's kind of want to clear everything up, if we're just kind of getting started in this subject matter. So to fully comprehend, I think, the issues that we have to understand, we need to know the vocabulary. What is jihad? What is Islam? And is it more than just a religion? <laughs> the simple question. In 30 yeah. seconds. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Go. <laughs> All right. So jihad. Jihad. What is jihad? By the book. No, sorry. Um, <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> um, jihad, uh, if you read the Quran, is a couple of different things. It can be used as a kind of metaphor for inner striving or struggle to resist temptation. Or it can be used to describe martial war against the infidel. And guess which one is more popular? Stay with us after the break. We'll bring you more of Dr. Sebastian Gorka's briefing at the Fox Performing Arts Center this week. I'll keep my freedom. I'll keep my guns. Try to keep my money and my religion. I watch the news and have to wonder. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire radio program. You know, Dr. Sebastian Gorka's presentation this week at the Fox Performing Arts Center was so powerful and so important that we're bringing this to you uh, today on the Unite IE radio program, and we continue with his presentation in the second half hour. What is Islam, and is it more than just a religion? <laughs> the simple question. In 30 yeah. seconds. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Go. <laughs> All right. So jihad. Jihad. What is jihad? By the book. No, sorry. Um, <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> um, jihad, uh, if you read the Quran, is a couple of different things. It can be used as a kind of metaphor for inner striving or struggle to resist temptation. Or it can be used to describe martial war against the infidel. And guess which one is more popular? Okay? You can just count them. Count them. Read the Quran and count it. I always say to Americans, after 9-11, every American should have a Quran. Why? Because so much rubbish is spun about Islam. So don't take my word for it. Don't take some guy on MSNBC's word for it. Why don't check it out yourself? Go to the primary source and read it. Buy a Quran and count how many times the word jihad is used and in which context. And you will see by factors... It is far more often used to describe war against the kufr, the infidel, in the interests of what? Expanding the Islamic State, building the caliphate, expressing Allah's sovereignty on this earth. So jihad has evolved over the years. Today it has returned to its original usage or most popular usage, which is to serve God in capturing territory to expand the empire of Islam. Second question. Second, before you move on, no, can I, you had a second half. The second half was is, Islam. Is oh, Islam, Islam just a religion or is it something more? But can I get some clarification no. on that? Yeah. I saw an ad on the side of a bus in San Francisco that said, my jihad is going to the gym every day so that I can get my body in better shape. So I'm confused. Where did that ad come from? I think that's a leading question. <laughs> 
Um, where did that ad come from? It, it came from people who want you to not know the truth about the, the threat to America. It comes from organizations that understand you can win a war without killing the infidel. You can change the way they think. You can subvert. You can undermine the institutions of democracy. So, you know, the, the granddaddy of all that we're talking about, we can talk about ISIS for the rest of the evening. We can talk about al-Qaeda and the connections between ISIS and al-Qaeda. But the granddaddy of them all is the Muslim Brotherhood. I, I need everybody to please understand this, even if you don't buy the book. The Muslim Brotherhood is not what some people would have you believe, uh, a bunch of frustrated Jeffersonian Democrats, okay? The Muslim Brotherhood was created explicitly four years after the empire was dissolved after World War I with one express mission, to reestablish the empire of Islam for the glory of God. Anybody else tells you any different... They're either an idiot or part of the brotherhood. Those are your two options, yes? They tell you that they're good guys. They either have no idea what they're talking about or they're part of the problem. So who wrote that poster? The people who are part of the problem. So back to this. What is Islam and is it more than a religion? Okay, so what is Islam and is it more than a religion? Um, please don't take this as a cop-out, but I'm very sincere about this. Because since moving to America, since becoming an American citizen, I spent six years in the Department of Defense, and I worked very, very closely with our Muslim allies. And I mean really closely, uh, especially our Jordanian uh, uh, brothers. And, and let me be explicit here. Today in the 21st century, there is no monolithic answer to what Islam is. Because you can go you know, to a disco in Jordan with your girlfriend in a miniskirt, have some beer afterwards, and that's a very different Islam from if you land in Riyadh, okay? So the difference between Saudi Arabia and Jordan or Indonesia and Pakistan is monumental. It is enormous, okay? Um, nevertheless, nevertheless, there is a version of Islam that is today in the ascendancy, and it's the version... That is deadly to us and deadly to our Muslim allies. Remember, what was the religion of the fighter pilot in the cage? Right. He wasn't even Shia. ISIS hate the Shia. He was a Sunni from Jordan like them. But they burnt him alive. So ISIS represents a very atavistic, 7th century, puritanical version of Islam, which is actually supported by aspects of the Quran. The Quran, if you read it, the second half is very, very violent. It's when Muhammad comes back from Medina, and he's a righteous, powerful warrior, killing all the infidels in front of him. But, but not everybody who calls himself a Muslim agrees with that. And we have Muslims in the armed forces. I, I've trained Muslim FBI agents. So the question is not what is Islam, because you can't answer that question. The question is which version is winning? And right now, from the streets of Brussels to the streets of Orlando, the wrong version is winning. All right. Digging deeper into this, is there another terrorist or existential threat to America that compares to jihad that we need to be concerned about, or is this the major concern based on your work? And part B to that is, Jennifer, could you pass me a bottle of water? No. Let me, uh, let me answer that in two parts. The first one is 
uh, a recent experience I had that illustrates how bad things are inside our government. About two months ago, I went out to, a, to out Midwest to, to a state that will remain nameless. And I was asked to brief about 300 local law enforcement officers. And I, I had the pleasure of briefing them for eight hours, okay? You think we're having fun tonight. I had these guys for eight hours. And I gave them soup to nuts on what the bad guys believe. So Jihad 101, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, for eight hours. At the end of the day, a very pretty young girl walked up to me and said, Dr. Gorka, that was you know, impressive. You're clearly very clever. But I have to disagree with, I think, everything you said. Because uh, you need to understand that the major and primary threat to all these law enforcement officers is white supremacist militias. She then gave me her business card, and it was from the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, I proceeded to ask the woman, really, that's fascinating. Could you give me an example of a white supremacist terrorist attack on the level of, oh, I don't know, San Bernardino or 9-11? She paused, yeah, and then eventually said, uh, Timothy McVeigh. What about one that's less than 21 years ago? Right? So, so to answer your first part of your question, no, the... The terrorist threat to America is from what I call the global jihadi movement. Okay? How does this compare to other threats to America? Um, this is the biggie. Okay? I'm sorry, this is the biggie. Uh, Russia is a problem, but Vladimir Putin is nothing but a thug. He's a bully. Okay? Bullies, if you smack them on the nose hard enough, they behave. What we haven't done is smack them on the nose. He's not an existential threat to America. He's a spoiler. He's a bully and a spoiler. Um, China, likewise. Uh, I know the Navy and the Air Force would love to have dogfights with Chinese fighter pilots over the South you know, China Sea. I know they're, they're excited about going to war with China, but sorry, guys, not happening. Okay? Uh, China has one second-hand diesel-powered aircraft carrier. We have 12 nuclear ones, okay? Not happening. Um, they're stealing our lunch, okay, in the cyber domain, stealing our industrial secrets, but they're not going to go to war with us because we would crush them. Uh, what else is there? North Korea. North Korea's an issue, but not an existential one. The primary threat to America is jihad of both varieties, Sunnis, Al-Qaeda, and ISIS, and maybe even more dangerous, the Shia version. Why? Because this administration has just released $150 billion to the mullahs in Iran. And the mullahs in Iran are likewise not frustrated Jeffersonian Democrats. They believe in theocracy, in the empire of Islam, but their Shia version, right? So right now we have a competition between two versions of the caliphate, and one of them is a threshold nuclear power. We need to let that sink in for a second. A threshold nuclear power, amongst which many of its leaders believe the apocalypse would be a good thing. Not a good combination. Nuclear weapons and belief in Armageddon, 
bad recipe. We'll continue with Dr. Gorka after this message from one of the sponsors of the Unite IE radio show. When you're on an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For over 20 years, All-Star Collision and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. They offer free pickup and delivery, free estimates, and they're approved by all major insurance companies. They repair aluminum and fiberglass bodies with computerized frame straightening to get your car or truck back to factory spec perfection. You'll have your vehicle back fast and in showroom condition, safety checked, washed and detailed, fluids topped off with a lifetime warranty on paint and repairs. So exercise your freedom of choice and call All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll, at 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. 951-279-9161. All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. AM590. The answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. And now we're going to return to Dr. Gorka's presentation and briefing this week at the Fox Performing Arts Center. Speaking of the Obama administration and the stellar deal-making, the Obama administration's policies are aiding Islamic Jihad. What is your best assessment as to why this is being done? This is perhaps the, the, the question I get the most. You know, explain to us what happened in the last seven and a half years. Um, two big things, two really big things. First one is a kind of worldview issue. Washington is full of politicians and bureaucrats, and unfortunately this isn't just a left-wing thing, okay? This is on the right as well. It's full of people in nice you know, Italian suits who see themselves as very sophisticated men of the world, very modern, or in fact postmodern or secular. And these individuals have a very peculiar attitude to religion or faith. They may go to church on Sunday, they may go to the temple, but for them religion is hmm, a social club. It is a networking tool for an hour a week and some coffee and donuts afterwards. Okay, they for them religion isn't something that's about objective truth or eternal life. It's about networking. Now, if that is what you think about religion, you will never understand the threat to America. You just will not get it. And I realized very soon after working in the Defense Department, I don't care what your religion is. I don't care if you're a Zoroastrian. I don't care if you're a Buddhist, a Taoist, but if you don't have some kind of faith, and I mean real faith, yeah, you will not understand the jihadists. It's just impossible, right? Impossible. Think about it. How would you even understand the logic of a suicide bomber? You won't understand it. The idea that I'm going to blow myself up, but I'm going to win, yeah, you will not compute. So number one, our politicians don't get it because they don't have individual faith. Secondly, is a, is a more technical issue, and it's to do with how, how they explain where the terrorists come from. Very early on in the first Obama administration, a theory was sold to the White House by a member of the intelligence community um, that all terrorism is the result of poverty and lack of education. Now, seriously, they actually believe this, okay? 
that because your dad didn't hug you when you were a kid and you didn't get to go to grad school, well, clearly you're going to just end up decapitating people, right? Right? Um, so, so we have uh, that analysis of where it comes from. And if you think that's where jihad comes from, then what is your answer going to be? It's not going to be about ideology. It's not going to be about destroying them. It's going to be about what Maria Half, the deputy press spokeswoman for the Department of State, said on national television. America will be safe and there will be no more 9-11s if we have jobs for jihadis. And uh, she wasn't joking. So those two things together pretty much explains why we are where we are today. Well, that kind of takes this question that was next, so I'm going to skip forward. Your description of the Islamic State compared to Al-Qaeda makes Al-Qaeda almost seem tribal in comparison. AQ pulled off 9-11 with a half a million dollars compared to the finances of the Islamic State. Your research shows the Islamic State with a GDP of 500 million and a storehouse of wealth acquired from bank raids. They seem technologically superior in many ways. Is there an Islamic State 9-11 in the making, or is their strategy decidedly different? Okay, great question. It is decidedly different. So ISIS has blown al-Qaeda out of the water in terms of branding. Nobody talks about al-Qaeda anymore, which is really bad because they're out there, okay? And they're going to have to prove their relevance, yes? So now we have the Pepsi versus Coca-Cola thing going on. Not good, not good, okay? Um, But ISIS is a different strategy, and the different strategy is, is, is based on one thing. The real name for ISIS, the real name... Okay, it's not what the president calls it or anybody else. It is the Islamic State of Iraq and al-Sham. Now, al-Sham is a special word in Arabic that is equivalent, if you think of Christianity, to Megiddo. Okay, if you know your eschatology, if you read the John Saint John's uh, Book of Revelation, you would know that end times for Christians will happen with tribulation, mighty conflict, the Antichrist, the Second Coming, but most specifically with a mighty battle on the plains of Megiddo, yes? This is a town in northern Israel. It's where we get the English word Armageddon. Well, Islam has its own eschatology, its own apocalyptic vision. And guess what al-Sham is? Al-Sham is the Megiddo for Muslims. Al-Sham is the territory that Muslims are taught is the location of the last jihad, the last one, before Judgment Day. What is that territory? Syria and Iraq. And ISIS didn't just call themselves the Islamic State of the Apocalyptic Territory. What did it do? It captured it. Wow. So every time they tweet out, every time they put something on Facebook, we are the Islamic State of Al-Sham, what does that 17-year-old kid in his mom's basement or that Pakistani immigrant or that son of Afghan parents living in Orlando in Florida, what, did, what message do they get? Have you ever thought of becoming a jihadi? Do you want to save your soul and guarantee salvation for you and your loved ones? Well, young man, the clocks are ticking because look at where we are. We have initiated the last jihad. There will be no more other opportunities for you to save your soul, so come on down. There is no other way to explain 86 
thousand foreign fighter jihadis recruited by ISIS in less than four years. So ISIS is much better at social media and much better at leveraging religion, especially this apocalyptic one, and in ways that Al Qaeda never even dreamt of. I thought they were the JV team and they were contained. Right. Sorry, 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 sorry. Breaking yeah, news, right? We'll continue with Dr. Gorka after this message from one of the sponsors of the Unite IE radio show. When you're on an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For over 20 years, All-Star Collision and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. They offer free pickup and delivery, free estimates, and they're approved by all major insurance companies. They repair aluminum and fiberglass bodies with computerized frame straightening to get your car or truck back to factory spec perfection. You'll have your vehicle back fast and in showroom condition, safety checked, washed and detailed, fluids topped off with a lifetime warranty on paint and repairs. So exercise your freedom of choice and call All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll, at 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. 951-279-9161. All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. AM590. The answer. And now we're going to return to Dr. Gorka's presentation and briefing this week at the Fox Performing Arts Center. All right, I'm going back to my wordsmith question for you. The terms self-radicalized and lone wolf are used over and over and over again by the media. What do they mean? And are they true? (laughs) They are words deliberately designed to make Americans stupid. They are words with a meaning and a purpose to make you, and I, I borrowed this from a good friend of mine, Tom Jocelyn, they are words designed to make you disconnect the dots. That's the importance of these words. Homegrown, self-radicalized, lone wolf, they are all absolutely fallacious. They are false. They are wrong. The idea that somebody is just a good old boy on Monday, and then on Tuesday decides to murder 49 people, yeah, and is disconnected from anything else, is crazy. It's absurd. There is a connection between 9-11, Fort Hood, Chattanooga, San Bernardino, Orlando, the Boston bombers. There is a connective tissue. There's nothing lone about it. The connective tissue is the ideology of jihad. All of these individuals consumed jihadi ideology and made a conscious decision to go down the road of holy war. And that's why, if I may, that's why the first speech the president gave after the Orlando massacre was really not only disappointing, it was unconscionable. Because on at least four occasions, he tried to make this into a hate crime. He tried to turn this into some one-off crazy guy which actually diminished the reality of what had occurred. Those people weren't killed because they were homosexuals or friends of homosexuals. They were killed because they're Americans and because they're infidels and because the ideology of jihad says they must be killed. So we have a narrative that is being peddled by Washington, but it is not the reality of who the threat is. 
So we have a question from the audience that kind of uh, dovetails very nicely into that. How do we, they, they use the, the word homegrown in this. How do we stop the homegrown ISIS members? We've just dispelled that rumor, but how do we stop them? Two, two huge things. So um, it's, it's not really going to be creating more giant metadata NSA storage facilities in the desert of Arizona, okay? The idea that technology will save us. No, 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 no. This is a very human threat. So two things. Um, number one, the, the nodes of um, jihadism are the key ideologues on the Internet just a few dozen people here and there that are the mouthpiece of jihadi ideology. We have to find them and shut them down. It's not the operational commanders, it's the people that are propagating the propaganda. They are the real center of gravity. Second thing is we have to take a leaf out of probably one of the most effective counterterrorism organizations the world has ever seen, which is the NYPD. The NYPD... Um, after 9-11, felt betrayed by federal government. They felt that the CIA, the FBI, had just dropped the ball, and that's why we had 9-11. So what did they do? They said, we're not going to trust Uncle Sam anymore. We're not going to wait for Washington to save us. We're going to look after the Big Apple ourselves. So what did they do? On September the 10th, 2001, the NYPD had two counterterrorism analysts. Two. Today, the NYPD is one of the world-class best counterterrorism organizations ever. And what is so good about them? Primarily what we call human, human intelligence, undercover assets going into the communities with humans who identify the radical recruiters, the potential jihadis, who surveil the places where they hang out. And I'm sorry... Where do radical people hang out? With, right, with the radical imams in the radical mosques. If you want to find the members of the Cosa Nostra or the Mafia, go to the Italian restaurants. Don't look for, don't look for them in the Mexican restaurants. It's not a good idea. So, yeah, it's, you know, there are ways to do this, and, and the NYPD has really broken the mold. And that's all we've got time for today on the Unite IE Radio Show of Dr. Sebastian Gorka's presentation at the Fox Performing Arts Center. If you want to hear the whole program, you know, navigate over on the AM590 website, am590.info, and you'll be able to hear the entire presentation in the podcast section of the website under the Jen and Don Show. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.